0: Hello and welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, Chief Executive of the Executive Connection. Tech connects CEOs, executives and business owners to the world's largest business leader network. We're committed to delivering actionable insights, accelerating business performance and optimising decision making. My guest today is Maya Paleka, the co-founder and director of Juggle Strategies, a consultancy that works with organisations looking for better ways to work. She works with them to help shift the mindsets, capabilities and then the behaviour of their people to support the new business models that they co-design. Ultimately, Maya says it's about creating workplaces of the future so that people, organisations and their communities can thrive. So a little bit of background about Maya. Uh, She likes to say that a long time ago, she was an electrical engineer who loves to understand how things work. And through her career in various leadership roles, she turned that curiosity to human behaviour. So Juggle was born out of the realisation that we're still trying to shift how we work through writing policies rather than approaching them like any other strategic imperative or change program. Great stuff. Lovely to have you here, Maya. Lovely to be here. Thank you. So today's Wednesday. This time last week, we were both at Brene Brown. Yes, we were. It was amazing, wasn't it? Amazing. What was the highlight for you? Oh, that is really hard to
1: uh, say. I'd probably say that I'm looking at a lot of things now from the point of view of what we're doing. So I was looking at it from um, future of work and future of leadership and what does that look like. And she's really good at nailing the fact that we can't be the leaders of tomorrow where we're trying to get the best out of our people and we're trying to create places where we can be um, comfortable with ambiguity and change in everything else without getting stuck in the gooey human stuff. Mm. And she really was good at communicating sort of the business case, I guess, for it. I love she said at one point, if you think that this emotion stuff is not your job, you'll have no job going forward. Yeah. Um, the other thing that she said that I also loved was the fact that she said, ask yourself whether you're managing for compliance or for a commitment.
0: That was really good, wasn't it? massive. So what about the bit where she had 4,000 people singing American Pie? (laughs) What a way to make us vulnerable, eh? It was, was, I thought, I don't even want to do this when she said stand up. I just wanted to say no. And it was so fun. Yeah, it was amazing.
1: I kept on asking myself, how does someone keep someone engaged as a facilitator? And, you know, we facilitate all the time. Yeah. For four hours Yeah, almost? it was four hours. And keep us engaged. And she did it so well. But that came right at the right time where I yeah. thought people were okay. We're three hours in. We're getting yeah. a little bit tired. And got us up and got us disarmed. Yeah. Because one of the things she asked later is to say, how do you take a pose and say a closed pose? Yeah. And it was right after that. And I struggled. I actually couldn't do that because yes. she got me moving and she got me… Smiling.
0: Smiling. I just right. looked around. Yeah. And then the dancing after that. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was great. So I love that bit that you've picked up about managing for commitment over compliance. Yeah. And I don't want to make this whole conversation about my whole paradigm and how it needs shifting. <laughs> um, how do leaders do that, do you think? How do they make that shift?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think this is what we got to start looking at in terms of what leadership is in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Is it the perennial kind of skill set of delivering numbers and delivering um, operational efficiencies or looking at the bottom line and getting from A to B, which has been given to you by someone else? And if we're still in that world, I sort of feel very, very quickly. We don't move anywhere, we don't innovate, um, we don't change. Um, Or do we go and we say, no, actually what my job as a leader is, is to look at changes, look at ambiguity and create a psychologically safe space for people to really bring themselves to work, to completely be here and contribute and collaborate. And then out of that comes magic. Mm. So to me, a leader is someone who has to do both. And really, we're not going to get away from you know, delivering our profit and uh, delivering the bottom line. That's not going to go away. But you have to be able to do that by actually tapping into your people rather than just executing on a plan. And you have to be able to create that space of... Well, you start off by actually, I think, authenticity and vulnerability of yourself. Mm. So opening yourself up, not knowing the answers to everything and being very comfortable of saying that, and then asking the questions. So going back to, you know, what do you think? And I actually don't know the answer to that. I'm not really sure. We've got to come up with that as a team. What do you guys think? And let's try something,
0: and if we fail, it's going to be okay. How much of a shift is that approach that you're talking about that sounds great, mm. how much of a shift is that for the leaders that you work with?
1: It's a... I think a lot of people are realizing the value of it. Uh, so many of us, I mean, 4,000 people at Brene, right, Yeah, tells me that we're kind of starting to get that picture. Um, I think that intellectually, majority of the executives that we work with get it. Mm. Uh, they're still struggling as how do we actually get there, right? Mm. And I think that's the journey in the work of today and why you know, we are and what we do and why we um, seem to have these wonderful conversations as well. Um, We have to first, I think, look at the very strong beliefs and mental models that we've built about what high performance looks like, what commitment looks like inside an organization and really spend a little bit of time navel gazing and understanding where that came from and that it came from a very different place than where we're going to and that we have to actually start letting some of that go. It is the biggest challenge. People still feel, um, middle management and and frontline managers, that their job is when somebody comes to them and says, you know, what do I do here? That they feel like they need to know the answer. And we keep on going and saying, you don't, and it's okay. Your job is not to know the answer of what, you know, someone's asked you help with. Your job is to help them find the answer. Hmm. So I think there is a, a shift. I think we all intellectually get it. I think we're all working towards that. And it is uncomfortable. It It is is uncomfortable. It is
0: uncomfortable because if you've been doing something for a long time and been successful at it in a certain way of doing something, that kind of imperative to change can be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. So I have a hypothesis or or more from experience that I think we hear so much and I've learned so much from you and from Stephanie and Victoria from BEAM, who Mm. I've also spoken to recently, About the worker of the future. The worker of the future. That sounds nice, doesn't it? The, you know, employees in the future of work and how looking for flexibility and engagement. My hypothesis is that a lot of people in the workplace right now don't know what to do, not leaders, actually Mm. team members, that they don't know what to do. Yep. That they might hear of flexibility which too often just means, can I work from home? Yeah. But they actually don't know how they need to shift as well. Yeah. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you're
1: right on the money. We've gone into organisations and talked about, okay, how do we open up the culture? And we're more and more getting away from even the word flexibility, by the way, we can talk about that a little bit later. But um, how would we open up things and say, okay, what is the best way for you to do your job? To deliver whatever you need to deliver, considering your style, what you need to do, and everything else that's going on in your life, and uh, people actually put in a lot of work to put in some good. We're getting away from policy, so it's more about you know guardrails and behavior uh, behaviors and, and and principles that people need to think about. So these are sort of our our box within which we play. These are the things that have to continue to stay, and they open it up and they really try to encourage people, and then. You know, when we go back six months later, they're going, well, not much has changed. So um, we're not seeing it as much. And I think it's a question of time. Sometimes it is. We are creatures of habit. So just as the leaders of today have learned how to lead, we have learned what work is. Mm. And even though we would like to say the work is something that I do, it's still for a lot of us a place we go. Yeah. Right? Yes. So if our brains are gonna come at it from that perspective and if we're gonna look at it that way, then we're just gonna stay in the status quo and we're just gonna show up every day and we are going to do the same thing that we've always done. And it actually doesn't always serve us. Well I think there's
0: a security for people as well. Yeah. But all sorts of security and not in a bad way. Yeah. That I have this place where I go, yeah. this is where I have my lunch. These are the people I mix with. Yeah. So if we, and I want to get to those guardrails, I really like that, Hmm. imagery, I like that. But if we shift to this more, um, and also you need to tell me what's not flexibility, (laughs) but if we shift to this, what about the social interaction for people? What about the value that people get? from being at work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we like to say that when you approach this thing, there, there is a bit of a misnomer. And I think the number one fear that, that we see that executive teams have when they say, okay, we want to open up the way we work and we want to give people some autonomy as to how they do that, that the, the proverbial floodgates are going to open up. Mm. And they really think that people are just going to leave and work from home and never come in. And reality is, as you pointed out, and it's right on the money, that's not what people want. And we really find that, you know, we've now surveyed thousands of people across Australia in very different sort of um, industries and markets and across many demographics that it's not the case. We are social beings. Mm. We love coming to work. Mm. Um, unless some, And if they don't, something's not right.
0: Yeah. Actually, yeah. we got
1: to think about why people are not coming in. There's something else going on. Yeah. But people by and large in organizations that really focus on engagement and culture, love coming in. You know, uh, relatedness to other people is one of the biggest motivators, intrinsic mm. motivators for humans. So these are our tribe, these are our people, we mm. come to work. And that's not going to go away, right? When yeah. we think about work of future, 100% distributed teams are always going to struggle with that. I mm. Actually think there's going to be something missing that you've got to actually build for. So. People will come to work. It's not about that. To me, the, 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 the opening it up and whether it's flexibility of ways of working is actually just about giving people a little bit of autonomy mm. about what is the best way for you to get your work done. And in a lot of good places, it will be about coming in, but at the times that you can't or it's not the right thing, yeah. then just don't. So that's what I think the difference is. We gotta stop assuming that people just won't be coming in. They will. And if they're not, I'd actually start questioning, why not? That's a challenge. Absolutely.
0: So tell me, you were saying moving away from the term flexibility. Tell me about that. Yeah. As you said in
1: my intro, I'm fascinated and I love human behavior. And the big part um, that I've been spending a lot of time learning about is around behavioral science and mental shortcuts that we build and mental models that we build, that we approach our life with, right? And Mm. 90% of the time, they serve us well because they make decisions for us because we cannot actually rationally process every bit of information and make rational decisions, so it happens subconsciously. What's happened with the term flexibility and flexible working in the Australian market, but I think globally as well, is it was this really good concept about you know, how we work mm. that then people went, hold on, actually, this will deliver on some really good gender uh, agenda, Yes. that we need to do. And so let's use this really good tool to deliver on our gender equality inside the organisation, uh, which is fantastic, right? And it absolutely does deliver on that. Mm-hmm. The problem is it it's created a mental model and the shortcut that flexibility equals working mums in organisations and how do we keep them gainfully um, engaged in, in, inside the organisation.
0: Wow, what an interesting... Angle on this. And oh, it's a- oh, I mean, not an angle on how it's come about, but the challenges of that yeah. paradigm.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so when we speak to people a lot of the time, they go, oh, okay, so flexibility is about uh, working from home, or oh, that's another model. Mm-hmm. It's always about working from home, or it's about part time. Because those are the two things that we've sort of become comfortable with in Australia. But actually, when you step away from it, it's so much broader than that. And actually pigeonholing it one way or another gets people to just sort of make shortcuts, go, I'll work from home. But I might not be the right person to work from home. I might not have the right setup. It might not be the right call for me and what I do. And it sort of destroys the whole concept. And so what we like to think about is to say, okay, now start off with what are the requirements of my role? Um, Do I need lots of face time in it? Mm. Do I need lots of deep work and thinking time? Yes, And removal from distraction, actually, which is really hard to get in an office these days. And how much collaboration is important. Absolutely. Yeah. So what does that look like? And then now what is the best way that I can get that done? So sometimes it might be actually coming in the office and uh, being there and then removing myself for that, you know, hour that i got to edit something or go through that report into a cafe next door. Yeah. Right. Or I might know that I am a night owl which Mm -hmm. I absolutely am, and my best work is done between 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. Is that right? Absolutely.
0: I miss you. I'm asleep, sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But this is the thing, right? we we got to think about what does that mean, and then how do I structure my day, and can my organization let me? Because Mm -hmm. there's now research about the chronotype that each one of us has Mm -hmm. and that there's a difference at about 20% in terms of our productivity Mm. if we're working to that chronotype. Mm. So someone who employs me and asks me to be there 9 to 5 yeah. will miss my window completely right. of the magic that I get to create between 8 p.m. and 11. Right. right, So why force me into a window um, where that doesn't make any sense? So to me, that's where, you know, and whether that we call that flexibility or even honestly, even without us, a lot of our clients now said, I, I don't want to talk about this as a flexibility. I want to talk about this as just a better way to work. Mm. And, you know, the cool ones in advertising are saying, hashtag wow, ways of working, right? <laughs> so I've got it. I've
0: got it. We offici- I officially say it as of now. I love <laughs> it. There you go. Awesome. I like that too because I think in a conversation about innovation, yeah. creativity, disruption, agile approaches to work, yeah. flexibility seems to be a sort of almost like a – like you say, a box and here's a solution Mm. without it being creative. So what I'm hearing from you, Maya, it's about engaging with your team and having the culture where even the creativity about how people are going to work, it starts with that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I would love it if we stopped talking about you know, are you a part-time worker or are you... And I understand that people have lives within which they need a bit of predictability. So that's always gonna be Mm. uh, there, right? And that's their requirement around their guardrail around which they build their flexibility. But um, if we sort of say, let's just work this dynamically. What's going on this week? What's going on next week? What's going on next month? This week, I'm working on a tender and that tender requires me to be here 60 hours. And I'm just going to do that, right, because that's what's going on. And then next week, um, and I'm going to try to organize my life around that or mm. do those hours where I need to because mm. everything else is going on. Next week, I don't have that, the tender's in, and there's going to be a bit of quiet time. Well, you know what, I'm going to go for surf in the morning, come in at 11 to try to get my head back in the game because mm. I'm probably burnt out from what's mm. happened the week before. So that, I guess that human-centered approach is, is, is what we love where you start with that conversation. You start and you look at it at a team level. What, is, what do we as a team can do? And then that one-on-one conversation about what do I need? Mm. What's the best way to get this done?
0: And starting with leaders, leaders need to think like that as well.
1: Yes. And that's the biggest challenge.
0: Well, it is. But I, even for yourself, I mean, thinking if I'm doing a lot of travel and yep. a lot of stuff going on and a board meeting in the middle of it, and a conference somewhere that it actually can be hard to have the discipline to think, "I'm just going to take an hour here." So if you back to Brene Brown, yeah but if you can't do that for yourself, then mm. it's going to be hard to be thinking of, you know encouraging it in others as well, I suppose.
1: Absolutely. And we all know it. Um, uh, we, one of our co-founders is an executive coach, and, and she does a lot of work with leaders who are getting to the point where they're burning themselves out.
0: Mm. And,
1: you know, sometimes you can tell someone the same thing until they experience it on themselves. I think they're not going to actually do much about it. But people are going, I'm just not as sharp anymore. Yeah. What's going on? You know, I'm not coming up as m- with as many ideas. Because burnout actually looks different than being stressed out. Sometimes mm. it doesn't feel like anxiety mm. and stress and, you know, high blood pressure and all those sort of very physical things. It can very feel physical things. It can just feel flat. Exactly. Mm. So, you know, and that has consequences on your performance and everything mm. else. So absolutely, as a leader, it's taking the moment to go and having the discipline mm. to stop and actually figure out what it is that refreshes you. Yeah. Um, whether that, that might not be just relaxing or going for a walk or Mm. all that type of stuff might be reading, Mm. might be doing something different and then coming back into it.
0: Mm. What examples do you have, Maya, of an organization where you've seen the leader and the team successfully adopt this approach and because, you know, I'm still a little bit old school and achieve great results and have true business success off the back of this?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think prob- the example I like to give is one we've, a client we've been with for um, over three years now. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's such an authentically motivated co- um, client in terms of that. And we love working with them for that. Because sometimes this type of stuff can be a bit of a ticker box exercise. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I think it actually destroys trust when mm. it comes out of that. It, mm. it, it does not create any positive benefits but they came to us um, because they have actually a millennial workforce. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're having some issues with retention. It's a very, it's a media agency. So lots of competition for talent. The pay is not always very good. Yeah. And you know, how do we actually keep our people? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we create an environment for them? So the work started really with the CEO mm. who uh, was going, okay, I'm a Gen Xer who has, you know, it's a little bit hard because I've done it this way and I've worked mm. these hours and now I've got to do it. But I can do this. Right. And, uh, you know, having that, I guess, authenticity and vulnerability to kind of go through that conversation was incredible. And that uh, we knew we were in the, in a good place. And then going and working with the executive team who then mm. actually did the same thing, you know, surfaced all their biases mm. and surfaced all their
0: I love that yeah. surfacing the biases that's great yeah you, yeah you
1: gotta be ready to do that because you know that certain jokes and certain shortcuts that we take you know that person's here seven to seven they're really committed
0: yeah yeah but
1: do you really know that they are like are they actually delivering well
0: no one's productive what do yeah. what do the beamers say Two hours and 53 minutes in yeah, a day. Absolutely, yeah. right. Yours happened to be between 8pm and 11pm. Yeah that's, yeah, that's it, right? Yeah.
1: So it's, it's how do we get rid of all of that mm-hmm. and how do we um, make some commitments to the organization and they went through that and you know, we run a lot of, what am I gonna stop doing? What am I gonna keep doing? And what am I gonna start doing? And the stop doing bit is the bit that people take the longest time because sometimes we'd like to think that we are the change already. Yeah, There's always things we need to stop doing. Uh, So they went through that exercise and they spent quite a bit of time and then they authentically again went out to the organization and went and said, we're gonna take our time with this because it is a different way of doing Mm. things and we won't get it right. All mm-hmm. the time, so let's do it. And for them, it was a massive change, you know, from 29% of people saying they have some flexibility to 77% of people saying they have all the flexibility they need. And the retention went half. So it was, sorry, went up by half. But yeah, yeah um, they solved the problem that they were looking for. And the other thing that was interesting, you know, going back to how this is a good tool, even though it's not motivated in that. Uh, One of the things is, um, being media, women tended not to come back from mat leave. yeah, And their attention went from 29% of women coming back from mat leave to 89%. Mm. So that was, you know, a consequence of something. So they weren't motivated necessarily by that, but it sort of came out. And then three years later, they're constantly iterating. So this is the other thing as well. We are talking about changing our behavior, which is really hard, Right. Mm. We are not built for it. Our brains are not built for change that easily. So you've got to iterate and you've got to kind of look back and say, okay, what else do we need to do? And, you know, the, the last thing we did was saying, okay, what are the current barriers to us behaving in this way? And sometimes it's ourselves, mm.
0: as you said in the beginning. Yeah. So what's the business case for making a change like this or adopting this? Hashtag wow. Wow. Mm.
1: <laughs> um, I see. I like to say, and I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and Brian Walker, who is a partner with IDEO, so uh, yep. design agency, um, and IDEO, he, he teaches uh, designing for change course. That is amazing um, and absolutely recommend it. He talked about the challenge for the organizations today is to optimize the present and cultivate the future. Yep. And... I love that. Yeah, right? I love it too. I absolutely love that. Because yeah. to me, you've it got actually, to hold on
0: to the core. Well, protect yes. the core, don't absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Optimize the present and cultivate the future. Yeah. yeah, great.
1: And when I thought about what that meant, I actually went, you know what? This idea of looking at the way you work and let's call it flexibility because it is what we know mm. actually straddles both ends. Mm. So if you look at the business case and optimizing today, The research shows that flexibility, when you give people and it's, again, giving them that autonomy about how they get their work done, you get some discretionary effort. Mm -hmm. And that gives you anywhere between research has shown 16% to a Stanford study was done to 20% increase in productivity. Mm. So that, you know, if you're growing or if you're having to downsize, it's a pretty significant number. Uh, You then look at things like revenue impact. So um, research, again, have shown the correlation between engagement and revenue increase. And that's why, you know, HR keeps on banging on about engagement. It's not just this fluffy thing. But for every about 5% increase in engagement, there's about 2% correlation with increase in revenue. So and for example, um, MIRVAC in Australia rolled out flexibility and increased their engagement scores by 20%. So it's not little in terms of numbers that we talk about. And then cost uh, is another one. So it's the flip side of it. Uh, Some organizations then look at their rent and their floor space. So you can then, and uh, organizations like Cisco and Microsoft, were able to cut down their floor space about 30%. And we know that uh, rent can be sort of third sometimes of the cost of a lot of organizations. So it's a big number. Mm. So, you know, that's the optimizing, I guess, of today. And there's a bottom line business case. Forget about the fact that you're doing something nice for your people. We like to say it's physically irresponsible not to roll out flexibility. You're leaving something on the table mm. that mm. doesn't make any sense.
0: And the cultivating the future?
1: The cultivating future is about building the capability. So if you roll out flexibility and you get this right, you we will have to have teams that know how to trust each other mm. and how to build trust. Mm. They know how to be very effective communicators because when people are working in different schedules, you gotta learn how to communicate really well. And you gotta know how to uh, measure outcomes rather than other ways of performance. And in an agile organization, if you're gonna stand up a team and put them together and they don't know each other, or learning how to cultivate trust, how to measure my performance to outcomes and how to communicate effectively are like the most basic capability mm-hmm. that I need to have. So when we look at the characteristic of an agile organisation, actually that's the capability. So we change the way we work. We build that muscle that gets us ready for tomorrow.
0: What a, a great concept to finish on, I think, Maya. You have such a visionary approach to this. Thank you. And you talk about it in a way that makes such... Good sense. Thank you. And as a leader, I I mean, I've been, you know, I've been kind of flirting with this for a couple of years anyway. But as a leader, I can really, I have a good feeling about where I'd start. Mm -hmm. And I love that thread of trust through your whole conversation today. Speaking of Brene Brown, speaking of Pat Lynchoni, who I saw earlier this year, that, you know, it all really does come down to trust as well. And a great set of ideas from you today and as always an absolute pleasure to talk to you Maya thank you so much thank you so much for having me that was fun so that's tech live for today CEOs are in the business of making decisions and leadership is the art of execution I'm Stephanie Christopher and look forward to talking to you next time